0: Hey, everybody. We are here for Sweat the Details. I'm with Jonathan and Jim, and uh, we're going to be just the three of us today chatting about a couple of things that each of us is, is looking at the market and finding interesting, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to hit on a couple of topics today in the next few minutes, and we'll see where it goes. Jim, uh, anything you wanted to chat about?
1: I, I, I think that uh, I, I want to talk about HOAs, uh, homeowner associations, and how, um, how delightful they are.
0: And, and all three all three of us currently, all three of us do live in HOAs right now, so we do have to start with that disclaimer. But uh, Jonathan, what's on, on your plate? I want to talk about the Popeye's
2: chicken sandwich. I'll just leave <laughs> it at that.
0: Uh, fantastic. I uh, I want to talk about what every realtor is talking about in America right now, which is uh, where really should be. NAR has, has passed a, a new rule this past week at, at the NAR National Convention, the clear cooperation policy. And I kind of want to get everybody's take on where that's going to take our industry and if it's going to change anything at all. Sounds like a plan let's start there with uh, with the clear cooperation so yep. um, just for for listeners who either may not have heard it or maybe outside our industry, the National Association of Realtors this past week met for their national convention and passed a rule that is going to in essence say any listing that any realtor takes anywhere in the country um, must by by realtor rules be in an MLS within one business day of the first public marketing of that product. So, of that home. So, if you, if you take a listing, you can still have time to prepare the marketing brochures, have time to get staging done, get repairs done to houses, get it prepared for, for showings. But as soon as you contact agents outside of your office and um, put that in any form on a, on a digital broadcast email, bulk emails out, we're going to have to have that in an MLS, which is, is really an attempt to try and do away with pocket listings and try to do away with this exclusivity and, and closed marketing that's, that's going on right now in the U.S.?
1: I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a way to, to, try, to address, <clears throat> try to address the fragmentation of the MLS because right, right now you have, you know, you know, I've got a search set up on my Gmail that looks for coming soon from other firms, um, you know, Zillow, Trulia, you know, all these websites that where you have various homes for sale in, in various formats. But I th- if it works, I think it's a good way to, to consolidate the MLS because for my entire career the MLS has been fracturing and fragmenting and this is a way to for the NAR to try to you know, reassert themselves if you will uh right. to, it's a bit to make of, it
2: I mean there's things that I like and things that I don't like about it but one thing about it is it's definitely a power play you know for the MLS is to, to kind of right. stick their flag in the ground and say we are the platform that you know transactions need to need to kind of go through
0: yeah um, yeah but I mean I think you know the the real I mean the stated reason when you go back and we look at it the Department of Justice right now is breathing down the neck of the NAR. The NAR is trying to find a way to say we are very much a cooperative industry and that we're not going to be you know, taking, keeping things so close to the chest. And this is their first step at what can we change. But if you if you look at the, you know, over the last few years, as inventory has become tighter, realtors are increasingly using different techniques of marketing that maintain a sense of exclusivity to their listings. And that is has changed the availability of homes to the To the general consumer marketplace, and so we have been here at Nest, very positively affirmative of the best marketing is the broadest marketing. That mm-hmm. if you expose your home to the widest possible market, that is is the best way to to garner the most eyeballs, to garner the most views in person, and and to reap the best um, you know return for investment on the, by the seller. So, I mean, this supports where we've been operating you know for the last decade already.
2: Correct. You, one other thing to note about this. Is it? It states this clear cooperation policy states that the property needs to be listed in the MLS. It doesn't state that it has to be syndicated across all platforms. So whether it be websites, right, right. real estate brokerage websites, you know, Zillow, all those, you know, you, you you have to put it in the MLS, but you don't have to syndicate it out there. So I wanted to to, to make that note. No, just and, so you, it... and you also don't have to allow
1: showings. You know, immediately because I think that one of the questions I've seen is that. No, but I, ha- if, if I have to put in the MLS, and we're we're not 100 percent ready for showings. This is not a forcing MLS, the
2: right. You can still MLS a, rule. You Correct. can still
0: have it coming soon, but it cannot be available for some people to show and other people not to Correct. show. Correct. If it's available to one, it's available to all. Correct. Which I think is the, is the best practice on a whole lot of levels. Right. So what's the argument then against this? Why are why is this even a discussion of of within the marketplace.
1: I mean I th- you know, for me I think that there are you know multiple but the two that come to mind are going to be the, the the brokerages that want to build their own internal platforms if you will and consolidate market share because they say we have all the exclusives and the smaller brokerages don't. I think is the one way for them to build their market share. And I think there's another, also you, you have some sellers, you know, they don't necessarily want to go full market but they want their agent to reach out to you know the top 17 agents in that market band. You know, I think that that's one where there can be an argument for. You know, I don't want the entire market to know that I'm to know them for sale, but I want you to to reach out to the best ones who know my product and market it that way.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with both those points. I think the concept of a of a platform and you know uh, exclusive listings um, is something that some brokerages, and I'll generalize and say maybe some larger, mm-hmm. large and larger brokerages, are trying to do is have this exclusivity of basically come to us and we have. We have this inventory that nobody else has, and that's going to draw eyeballs. So the website is going to draw calls to realtors. It's going to, you know, generate li- you know email lists so they can get in touch with people. So, you know, there there is a, an aspect of cornering the market and and in, in terms of s- s- specific listings. Um, and so I think that's one thing. the the other um, The other part of it, geez, I'm drawing a blank. What was your second point? Well, the the the, the sellers who want targeted. That's market. right. The, that's the other the other part is that sellers. We're basically, t- in, in this case, potentially taking the control out of the seller, um, or taking the conversation with the realtor and the seller, um, and mandating certain things that have to be done. So typically, when you sit down with a seller, you, you know, in, in the vast majority of cases, you're going to recommend, "Hey, this is what we need to do. We need to we need to take your listing, and expose it to the broadest audience. And if we expose it to the broadest audience, we're most likely are going to get fair market value for your property." Right. And so, but that. Even though that conversation um, happens most of the time, in this case, there's a rule being set that takes that conversation out. The realtor can no longer have that conversation of saying, "How should we expose your property?" and the and the seller, you know, can't really say, "I want to list with you, and I don't want you to expose it to the broad realtor."
0: Base. Well, I mean, I'm trying to imagine a world in which a a wealthy art collector is looking to sell a piece and goes to Sotheby's and says. I want you to put this in your auction. I only want you to allow half of the people into the auction to to bid on it. It doesn't make any sense at all. And that's the exact same situation that we're doing here. we are we are trying to create an efficient marketplace. and yet we're doing so. we have been doing so at least in in some pockets of this industry. We've been doing so in a way in which we limit the who the the available buyers are, who the available agents are, who can look at it. And I think there is a question, you know some of the there have been a few statements of, the fair housing question and just availability of the, of every home to every buyer. And I think this is a, this is a strong attempt to try and correct that.
1: Yeah. Again, I I think it's, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think we're looking at may for the, for the implementation right now. Uh, We've got a few weeks and months to, to figure out what it's actually going to look like.
0: Well, I I think the other, the other piece just to throw it as, is that every association is going to be required to implement this policy. However, how they implement it Mm -hmm. is going to be up to the association. So, Um, bright MLS that handles much of Virginia, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania has already said that they're, they're fine for every instance of, of failure to comply with policies. We have $5,000 fine that, that says nothing more than we are going to take this very, very seriously. Um, associations on the other side could, could implement this as a $50 fine, in which case they're saying it's a cost of doing business if you don't want to participate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be a huge discussion in the spring as we watch how different MLSs play out across the US and I think that's that's going to be what we want to look at to see how how seriously the individual associations take it.
1: I think we I think we re- revisit this in January and see what it looks like.
0: Yep. So I'll, I'll
1: step into the HOA conversation. Um you know, you know, it, HOAs became prominent in at least in our area and probably nationwide in the late 70s. It seems that almost every neighborhood that I see in our market that's been that was built after 75, 78, 80, whatever has an HOA of some sort, which is a set of guidelines that buyers subscribe to, or they, 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 they agree to live by when they purchase a house. And I think that of all the hundreds of transactions I've done in HOAs, maybe three of my clients have read all the rules. Um, but I, I think it's something that generally the way I describe a buyer who's going to be living, living in an HOA, don't be a butthead. You know, it's because I think that the the rules are there and they get implemented only if, you are you know living outside the rules. There's one neighborhood and probably a lot of neighbors in our market that say in the guidelines, no toys can be left in the front yard overnight. Right. You know, you leave a bicycle for a day or two, fine. You live nine and they rust and then a big wheel and a trampoline, you're gonna get someone's gonna call call you on that. So I think that it, it really is, you know, I think that you live reasonably, be nice, and you're generally fine.
0: I, I will say, I mean, I've lived in an HOA now for the last five years for the first 45 years of my life I never once It's been 5 had, years. Yeah, it's been almost 5 years that we've Oof. we've been there. But before that I had never lived in an HOA, never experienced it. And I never had a neighbor with whom I had these these concerns that I just wanted to call the neighborhood police officer and say, "Please please pass them a note cuz I don't want to be the one to say something about them right. parking in my front yard." I mean, this isn't like you said, the, you know, if you're a neighbor and you actually have civility, there's no need for that HOA. They've become an issue now because there are so many things like stormwater management and other, you know, water filtration systems that are are neighborhood controlled that have reserves that are needed. Roads. Roads, many times private, private alleyways behind neighborhood, you know, behind the garages. Those things that have to be managed long term that owners just don't want to get a bill for $10,000 when it's time to repave.
1: Right? I mean, some some have some have capital expenditures that are looking at quarter million dollars, half million dollars over a yeah. 25-year lifespan. Right. right. So you're raising – I mean, you, that's a significant budget for people Absolutely. to have to manage on a daily, weekly, monthly basis.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, yep. I, I can think of at least one neighbor in Charlottesville that has an HOA purely for the purpose of collecting for a biofilter that was required by the city to be mm-hmm. installed. It has – there are no rules and regulations for living in the neighborhood, there's no architectural review board. It's purely for the biofilter reserve fund.
1: But I think it also, it, it, in, for a lot of my clients, I see it sort of counter to the to the American way of life. Of, but I want to paint my house pink, right. you know, Or I want to cut which down a, that tre- I want to cut down that tree that's more than three inches in caliper,
2: which is a real. I mean, these are real examples. And yeah. I think the the getting into it, you know, Jim, what you said earlier is when you get into an HOA, you need to know what you're getting into, right? Right. You you have to read those documents, and I I mean, no one reads the documents. <laughs> Oh, I there, shouldn't there, say no one. Very few people do. There are hundreds of pages. We, you know, can we, can we create a, like a cliff notes for those, for those docs, which kind of outline, you know, yeah. the, the key points. Maybe that's probably a but, different but discussion. Don't you,
0: haven't you gotten calls from buyers who say, I can't look in an HOA because I have an RV. There is this, yeah, yeah. there, oh, yeah. there are certain things I have, you know, there are HOAs out there that regulate what type of breed of dog you're allowed to have in an truth. association or, Condos absolutely regulate the number of pets you can have. Yeah, condos so,
1: are condos are a different animal though. Right,
0: and you like that? Nice pun. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I think there are there are people who are aware that HOAs may infringe upon their enjoyment of the property. The question is, so how do we get how do we get every buyer to read those documents to understand this is a voluntary downgrading of your zoning rights? Well, I mean, there, there's, there's there are things you're giving up by being in an HOA. There's
2: there are there's things you're giving up, and you talk about you know you can't leave toys in the yard. Yes, that's rule. And I think those are the those are the small rules. I think when you get into the, the value of HOAs comes in with the bigger things. And Keith, you're right. Like you can't, you, know, you can't you well, you can't control what your neighbor does. And I've got a couple of examples that have popped in the news in the last twelve months. There's a house just north of Austin, Texas, in Pflugerville, which is uh like I said, a little north of, of Austin. And the owner, this is not an HOA, the owner decided he wanted to paint his house Pepto Bismol Pink. Um Lovely. roof roof as well. The roof, everything. everything's pink, right? It's his right. He's not in an HOA, yep. but his neighbors are Upset. furious. They're furious and they're threatening lawsuits and this and that. And that's something that an HOA could, would likely right. prevent, right? Those type of bigger sure. things. The, you know, there's also a situation in San Francisco area where somebody's built a Flintstone's house that has dinosaurs and signs and everything in the in the yard and it's not an HOA and the neighbors are are, are upset. Mm. So those are the type of bigger things that an HOA could could prevent you from. So as a, you know, I'm not advocating one way or the other. It's it's purely a personal choice. Those are the things that you have to think about of do I want to live in an association that has these rules and there's pros and cons to those rules and am I willing to live with yeah. those pros and cons? Well, I
1: mean, I shared a house last week that had it was two it was a townhouse community that oddly did not have an HOA. And the neighbor next door was in complete disrepair. And there's nothing, there's really nothing you can do. And then I know of another neighborhood in Charlottesville that does, it's a you know, mixed you know, townhouse and single family community. There was one house that the guy didn't, one, didn't pay his dues, and two, let his house go into disrepair. After years of effort, the HOA sent contractors over, fixed his house, levied a lien against his house. Now that's the value of an HOA yeah. is that you have a house that, where they choose to let it fall, you know, basically fall down to pr- to protect property values right. and and enjoyment of
0: of the neighborhood, the HOA has that authority to do so. But but here's, you know, but I, I want to talk though about the things that are being limited that people don't think about when they buy the house but have real intrinsic cost to them. If I have a house that's not in an HOA, I can put deed restrictions on the property that run with the house even after I sell it. I can stop future people from utilizing the property in a certain manner. You can, never, you can never run a business out of this house. And, and that would have a limit mm-hmm. to the number of people who buy it. If I live near the university, I can place a deed restriction on my house that says, this home can never be used for short ter- short-term leases, for Airbnb purposes. If I did that and I tried to sell that house, it would have a significant reduction in the number of people who would be willing to consider it as a potential property. Right? Maybe they don't want to do it as an Airbnb, but they don't know who's going to want to use it down the road. HOAs almost exclusively today ban the use of of short-term rentals as part of at least well, a newer sure. one but do. but that is that is entirely a downgrading of your zoning rights That is within the area you may well have have the right to to use a, a short-term lease, but within the HOA we say we're not going to allow it at all and and so suddenly the entire neighborhood is voluntarily adopting what no one in the own. I don't disagree with that but own. I think
1: if you, if you don't like that get on the
0: board you, you know can't, you can't change it as long as the declarant is, is still in control of the HOA.
1: Yeah, but once it de- declares the- out though, the, you you get on the board, you exercise your voice, and you you lobby your neighbors to, to change it. You change it. Yeah. You know, it's you know, it's 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 a tiny dictator driven, you know, tiny little government. <laughs> and that's what I think about HOAs. <laughs> yeah. So
0: are they good? Hey,
1: they can be. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the dictator.
0: Well, I mean, I think, you know, especially with the short term lease, you know, I I I act like this is something that you would never agree to. The reality is you would love for your neighbor to institute that, that, uh, that policy. And so that's really what the HOA is doing is, is it's is trying to add value by protecting you against the people you can't control. And but, I you
1: think, can't. but I think it, it'll, it'll, the last thing I'll say on this is I think it has a potential, and I've seen it, where it, it makes people, it gives them license to be less neighborly. Because if I, don't, if I don't like what you're doing in your yard, instead of going to, hey, Keith, would you mind instead cutting of your going grass to next door? Instead, instead of going in next door, which is now we'll talk about next that's door. That's a next whole month. other conversation.
0: <laughs> well,
1: um, you know, you go to the, the HOA management and say, "Hey, would you send this guy a nasty letter?"
0: Right.
1: So, yeah, and right. it becomes anonymous. Yeah, yeah, sort of anonymous.
0: So we'll 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 leave next door for the for the next round, and and we'll
1: uh, once we collect a lot, of, a fair amount of best of next door vignettes, uh, which are spectacular. Yeah. All right.
2: What we got next? Chicken sandwiches. Let's talk chicken sandwiches to kind of wrap this up. Third topic. So, real quick background um, for those that haven't been paying attention the last couple months. Popeyes, uh, the restaurant, came out in early August with a new chicken sandwich. Um, It sold out in two weeks. So popular, it sold out in two weeks. Some of the restaurants. uh, Well, the the stats that I've that I've read and that I've heard is that the restaurants during this two week period were selling an average of a thousand. Chicken sandwiches a day at a price of about four bucks, four bucks a pop. Um, these chicken sandwiches were accounting for thirty percent of sales for Popeyes, and it really became a phenomenon. So much of a phenomenon that there was a story that came out recently that an employee in a Los Angeles Popeyes chicken restaurant was taking the chicken sandwiches and selling them, you know, basically on the black market. Um, there was reports of a of a of a sandwich. Um, a couple months ago, that went on eBay for seven thousand dollars, and so it's this you giant, know, more
1: power tool. Yeah, right, <laughs>
2: capitalism, right? It's this, you know, this giant phenomenon. So they've they've come out again. They were they were sold out for five weeks. They came back again in early November, and they've been even more popular. So um, one quick stat that I read is that foot traffic um, to Popeye's restaurants soared uh, on the most recent opening day by 299% above above baseline, above their basic, So so this is, you know, I'll call it an innovation, a product innovation that Popeyes had worked on for two years. They worked on this for two years, um, came out with a new product innovation, and really has just completely transformed their business w- within a very short period of time. I mean, right. from, from August 12th until, you know... November 3rd when they relaunched. Yeah, until November 3rd when they relaunched. Um, some of the studies out there said they were getting they had 65 million dollars in advertising value just from social media posts, from online articles, things like that. So now you know've they've, they've had this product innovation and the question is, you know we don't need to talk all about chicken sandwiches, but you know what what is the Popeye's chicken sandwich for the real estate industry or for other businesses? this product innovation that really can transform your business almost you know almost, you could arguably overnight.
0: So let me ask one question before we even get to that. Is, it, is there indication at this point as to whether this entire shortage of chicken sandwiches was entirely intentional, whether this was thought out long before the launch started, or is this all still speculation as yeah. to how so Popeyes went with it?
2: I don't know. I'm I'm not an industry expert. They forecasted when they first came out with a chicken sandwich that they had enough chicken sandwiches nationally to get them through the end of September, and... Um, they didn't. They sold out in two weeks. So whether that was underproduced on purpose or whether you know as a as a ploy, if it was genius, it's
0: one of the greatest mistakes yeah, ever made. Otherwise, right.
2: so yeah, we don't we don't know that. I think. Does does it matter? I mean, no. Okay. I don't think it does.
1: I mean, I think it matters to a certain degree from the 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 side. Well, from the violence you're seeing at the Popeyes, I mean, I think that matters. <laughs> I mean, True. You know, you're seeing people who are stabbed and and body be la- swam because be of a freaking chicken sandwich.
0: Yeah. No, and, and, you know, unfor- well, fortunately, unfortunately, in Charlottesville, the Popeyes is located on the busiest road in town. And it literally has carts backed out onto the main road. Which is to lovely. try and get into the drive-thru. So it, it causes disruptions at the very least um, I, right now. But, no, it's, but that's I, based on hype.
1: It is, it, it's on hype. And there, there's, I mean, I think I saw at one point Popeye's was saying, we'll sell you a chicken sandwich if you, if you bring your own bun. I mean, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I'll Google it for you. That makes no sense. But um, right. No, but I, but is there a silver bullet in real estate? I don't know. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. There's not, I don't see that there is one. I mean, the, well,
2: I think, you know, what we don't know is, is this sustainable for Popeye's? Is it right. just kind of like somebody just said hype and right. there's been a lot of hype with, other brands and businesses and technology products in, in our industry that have come out recently. And in some cases they've fizzled in other cases in other cases they haven't. I think the key difference is, is with Popeyes, that silver bullet is a chicken sandwich. It's, it's,
1: it's one thing where in real estate, there are so many components of what a realtor does. you know communication, knowledge, professionalism, psychology. I mean it's, there's so many things that go into what we do, marketing, there's no one thing that's going to change the paradigm or the dynamic of, of practicing real estate, right? Um, you know, for, if, except for you know, for 1995 uh, per month for the next 18 months, I'll sell you the silver bullet. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, I, I don't think there is a one thing that's going to change how real estate is practiced.
2: Is is you th- do you consider this chicken sandwich to be similar to the online lead um, gen craze of the what early 2000s? Um, Early to mid two thousand, I should say maybe, maybe maybe mid mid to late.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think conceptually, yeah, because that was sold as the the online lead gen was sold as this is going to transform your business. But you know, it didn't
2: for for most people. It Did for a while. Well, it did for I mean, some. For, a, for, for for the ones who practiced years, it for years, you could buy leads on Zillow right. and be a very successful realtor. Almost, I mean, we we've got stories, sure, which we won't get into specifics here, but you know, I remember one of the stories you, you you told me was about a a realtor that you knew who, um, basically just bought leads, sold them houses. And her response was like, you said, well, how do you stay in touch with them? And she said, I I don't, it doesn't matter. I I don't, I can't, I'm just basically churning people through. And, um, you know, maybe that's not a sustainable business, but for a while it was, you, You if you spent the money
0: Early you got on, the leads. You
2: got the leads, and these were these were good leads. Right. Well, and, they, and it
0: really depended on how well you manage the conversion process, right? Right. Now, it wasn't just the the quality of leads, because and that has. That but has lead, changed but
1: lead, right. gen, lead gen is a system. It's not just getting an email. It's you know, it's getting an email responding.
0: Lead gen is the first step of a big system, right? And right. If it's not it, in place, it doesn't. Right. Work. You have to respond.
1: Right. You have to follow. And this on. is a this is a sandwich. I mean, the, the one thing you know, when you were talking about how they ran at, ran out, I mean, was it if it was deliberate? Genius, sort of, but was it just they didn't think about the supply chain? Yeah, you know, they think we're going to sell ten million chicken sandwiches, but we can generate only five million chickens. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I mean, I think with with Legion, it's
0: big. The big question is, do they still think they're going to do three thousand per store per day moving forward? Like, how many are they producing? It's obviously the current fad of it, if you will, the craze of it, certainly has to die down to a certain degree. Um, you know, is it enough to generate long term growth for the company? Is it Will it, is it able to, to create a need, a desire for more stores opening? Is it, you know, will same store sales continue to skyrocket into the first quarter, second quarter? Who knows? But
1: have they had, the, I mean, it, what what's another, you know, unicorn, if you will, like this?
0: It has pop. I mean pop Popeye's somehow the chicken chalupa that's wrapped in a chicken doesn't, uh-huh. doesn't it's <laughs> the worst thing I've ever heard of. And that's real. It's not the same. That's real. It is. Uh-huh. It is real, but it's out there. You can buy it. <laughs> you well, to go to eat it. I,
2: I think that's a good point, right? You talk about in the food service That industry, is product innovation. It's product innovation. And Popeye's came out with a very simple product, a chicken sandwich with pickles and some sort of mayonnaise on a bun. Right. And you've got other competitors that are trying to come up with either crazy concepts, impossible burgers, like all these new concepts. So, sure. it, You know, this could be an argument of back to the basics. Like, let's just do a really good chicken sandwich. Yeah. Um, And look, there's nothing wrong with that. We talk about that all the time. How do we do what we do better? And if we can do what we do better, the core of what we do better, then let's just focus on, on, you know, almost like keep it simple, stupid. Let's not come up with crazy, um, you know, crazy new concepts. Let's just do what we do really, really, really well.
0: Done.